Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast, sponsored by First Federal Bank. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and it's Wednesday, May the 4th. We've gotten through the NFL draft and are looking forward to rookie minicamp this weekend. I thought we'd take this time in between to hear from Chiefs owner and CEO Clark Hunt. He spoke to reporters during the draft. It tended to get a bit lost in the team's busy few days, but Clark had plenty to say about the Chiefs' future home and how that's related to the Royals' thoughts of a downtown stadium. He also touched on several other topics, like the NFL draft coming to Kansas City next year, what that'll mean, legalized gambling coming to the area, and the prospect of World Cup games coming to Arrowhead in 2026. You'll hear some typing on a laptop keyboard during the interview. I was sitting next to a loud typist. I'm sorry about that. Okay, we'll get started with a conversation between star columnist Vahe Gregorian and me about what Hunt said. So let's get started. All right, Vahe. Um, it, we, we heard from Clark Hunt uh, during the draft. Last so last week, we're, you and I are recording this on Monday, so we like to be transparent on our, <laughs> our timetable here. We're recording this on Monday, Clark Hunt spoke to the media on Friday, and look, it's always an occasion when Clark speaks because it doesn't happen that often, uh, four or five times a year, perhaps something like that. But more than other CEO and other uh, chairman uh, of, of NFL teams, I've noticed uh, Carolina Panthers owner spoke for the first time in almost a year and a half last week. So. I'm grateful for the time she does talk. Yeah, more than some, uh, not as much as one. <laughs> uh, Jerry Jerry Jones, I believe, does a post game press conference. It's a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but you're right. And what was kind of neat about this the other day was that there were five, six, seven topics that you know were pretty fresh and worth worth hearing from Clark about. And and I thought Clark elaborated more than, than maybe he necessarily usually does. I thought he did too. Um, And you're you're absolutely right. There were um, several several things have happened uh, involving the Chiefs since the last time Clark spoke. And we're we're not going to get to all of them because we're going to hear from Clark Hunt after we take a break. But uh, we'll we'll let Clark Hunt discuss those topics. You'll hear the questions and Clark Hunt's answers. But let's touch on a few of them. Let's start with the stadium, Uh, Arrowhead Stadium. That uh, it certainly has been a topic of interest here ever since John Sherman and the Royals have expressed their interest in you know, living downtown, uh, yeah. moving moving out of the suburbs and going downtown like uh, <laughs> like many trends. You know? yeah. uh, but uh, but so that impacts the, the Chiefs and Arrowhead Stadium. And, and so what what did you make of what Clark said about that? Well, seriously, you bring up a good point from the get go, though. That I mean, the minute the Royals made it known that they were examining, scrutinizing, whatever it is that's going to lead to that moving downtown, um, we're pretty sure. Uh, You know, the other element of that is, well, okay, now that means at a baseline, the the Truman Sports Complex is just the Chiefs for starters. So what are those possibilities? And and then we start being cognizant of, you know, the the billion-dollar stadiums out there. So Clark actually did speak a little bit to this last fall, just a little bit. Before it was kind of floated out, I think that's a fair term to use by Mark Donovan at the NFL owners meetings that, you know, the Chiefs have gone as far as to commission a $500,000 study of what the best use, best path forward, I should say, for, for the Chiefs home is in the 
you know, up to the time of the expiration of the lease, 2031, what then? And I just think that made it hit home a lot harder when, when Mark said that. And naturally, the, the idea that it was mentioned that perhaps they'd go to Kansas really hit home. Boy, did um, and, and so ever since, I think that's been out there. So Clark spoke to it. I don't know that he... Uh, I, I think he lent he lent some perspective in a couple of different ways, right? I mean, we were able to talk. One thing I wanted to hear from him about was just understanding that there's if you walk through Arrowhead today, you're this is the huge proud legacy of the family. I mean, shoot, they still have a suite in there that or they stay, right? Right, an apartment, an apartment, and so um, I think Clark certainly suggested there would be a sentimental question of whether they would actually look at moving to another site. Um, but also he brought up the very practical point and, you know, I think even uh, articulated a little more strongly about the, the specifics of the structure, you know, concrete structure that's 50 years old. It'll be 60 by the time this is over. And one thing, maybe I'm, I'm just swallowing the Kool-Aid uh, because I do think there's obviously some negotiating leverage, you know, happening here too with, with, with what they'll seek later. But, I am persuaded this, that as much as this tradition has been amassed here, it's, it's an amazing place. It really is an amazing place. This is about the next 50 years, not the last 50. That's just a term that nobody has said that term to me, but it just keeps sort of resurfacing in my head. Like it's about the next 50. Actually, somebody probably has used the term. I'm not capable of an original <laughs> thought, but I, I just can't remember where, where it came from. Um, but that, 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 that has flipped my perspective a little bit on it. Like, they have to do some due diligence on this. At what point do they keep throwing $40 million at it? And you realize, you know, you're just painting over something that's not structurally sound or not structurally promising. Or, or have, um, you know, Kansas city shift in different directions. Um, I, I thought one of the interesting questions, I think it was Pete Sweeney, our buddy Pete Sweeney, who asked Clark, about the development around yeah, that area, was, I think right? it was Pete. Yeah, and I, you know, and, and I, I just don't remember if Clark had ever been asked about that. It's such a smart question by Pete. It was, um, and, and Clark had an interesting answer that look, you know, his family is in Hunt Midwest is also in real estate, and they they know where growth is in Kansas City and where the Chiefs and the Truman Con Truman Sports Complex is. No development around there. Doesn't mean it can't change, though. Doesn't mean that right. maybe whatever happens with Coffin Stadium and Arrowhead Stadium can't spur growth. Right. Different. What was it? You said, Blair, I think it was something like the, the area develops in different ways at different times, something to that effect. So that is, a, you know, it's an interesting answer because it both acknowledges um, the, the lack of growth there over 50 years. Something I remember talking to you about shortly after I got here that. I was kind of astonished that there's nothing there and there's everything at the other 435 and 70. Intersection um, on the Kansas yeah, side. Yeah, on the Kansas side. But what what it leaves open, right, is the question of, is there some scenario, Royals move downtown, Chiefs have this whole complex to themselves now. Do they do, I'm making this up, but a Patriots place type thing where there's development that sort of embedded into adjacent to there. On the other hand, if they don't think that area is promising for real estate, is it maybe 8, 10, 12 days a year? Is that enough for that area to have people in there? Does that really 
move the needle for them? Is that a good investment? I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm sure that's that's a big question that they're asking themselves. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, as you were speaking to um, the age of Arrowhead, one thing that occurred to me is we're less than a year away from opening a new airport, which which opened about the year the Truman Sports Complex did, KCI, in its, you know, three-terminal uh, you know, moon uh, status up there. Um, so 50 years, 50 to 60 years seems to be about the, you know, unless you're, unless you're Lambeau Field or Wrigley Field or Fenway Park, that's kind of the, the time to stadiums start to turn over. It, it seems like that. And we've seen in other cities a much shorter shelf life on these things. We've seen, you know, 30 to 35 years, right? Yep. I mean, I, I, I think I, of, I think of the Texas Rangers baseball stadium. Oh gosh. Yeah. I think of where Charlotte's NBA team has played in a couple of different arenas, uh, outdated from the time they built one of them, uh, not enough suites. And so they, they built another one. So you're right. It does happen in other cities in a lesser time frame. It feels like that. Like even Philadelphia was probably, I don't know how long it's probably been good 10 years. I'm making that up, but, Good 10, 12 years that, since they've been in new places that were they built essentially around a little before Arrowhead. How about Atlanta? With Atlanta. Like Turner, you know, built for 1996. The right. And then out. <laughs> 25 years. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a harbinger of how that's going to be. You know, like th- these aren't going to have the same durability. I, I don't know. I don't know why that has to be. But it. I think we were joking about this the other day, or maybe I was talking to somebody else about this, that I think you would have said if if when Arrowhead went up in 1972, 50 years would be pretty pretty good use of Arrowhead. Um, I think I think you'd, you'd think that. I don't think you'd be saying, "Boy, this really should be a hundred. This this place should get to be a hundred. Now, the in between is probably the real the real question. Um, so, it, and and I don't know. I I don't. I, I I'm enough of a traditionalist and sentimentalist, and, and certainly have. Questions about the tolerance for public, private, you know, how much of that's going to go into that. Uh, Sam McDowell really deftly asked the question of Clark about public, private. But Clark also really just said we'd like to continue (laughs) having a partnership. (laughs) And, you know, it bears mention, and you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but it bears mention that, you know, that tax exists now. I mean, we're... That's right. You know, it's not... Now, I suspect the idea would be an enhanced tax, but we're all paying that now. Are you on this side of the, uh, on your side of the um, um, order? We are, uh, we are not paying uh, on, as we're recording this in Kansas and we are not. And that's, that's why Jackson County residents get first dibs on, on tickets, you know, because they're the ones who have funded, you know, the, the, the basically the stadium and the, and the upkeep of the stadium. Although you reminded me of this, this you, you might've known this, you probably do, but I, I, I just learned this a couple of weeks ago that the majority of the season ticket base is in Johnson County. I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm just not. Yeah. Um, uh, with the population of the county now, yeah. and um, it's that's where we are. Um, it, it's you know I, I suspect that that's I'm going to say that probably true of the Royals. I can't swear to it, but uh, you know you walk through the parking lot of a Royals game or a Chiefs game, and you know there are a lot of Joes. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of yeah, yeah, license, yeah, yeah. license plates yeah. in, in that parking lot. So, anyway, a uh, story that will that is 
been um, been broached by first by the Royals and now by the Chiefs, and it will not stop being a story for years now until we until there's some resolution to this. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know this lease is 2031. I don't exactly understand the maneuverings by which the Royals would get out of that lease if they do seek to uh, move before then, but it seems that they've been open about that they think they can do that. Right. The well, Chiefs, it certainly seems they want to do that. They, they Right. They they want to. And I don't, again, I, 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 I should understand that aspect of it, like how the, the, the consequences, the, the, the way that works. But, but I guess I'm using that as a broader point that so far, anyway, the chiefs have, there's been no indication from the chiefs that they wish to do anything before 2031. So there's been some criticism of them for not having been transparent sooner. Actually, I'm happy to criticize the Chiefs, but I don't think I don't think that's actually appropriate. It's right now, it's nine years before that lease is supposed to expire. They're talking publicly about commissioning a study to ask themselves what we should do. That seems, you know, reasonable time. Yeah, frame, it right? does. And again, they're not saying they want to do it in 2027 or 2028, which you know, maybe takes us to another interesting part of talking to Clark, which is, uh, you know, at least as it is right now, they're committed through 2026 <laughs> yes, um, yeah. to be a World World Cup site if Kansas City should prevail in the uh, World Cup sweepstakes. Great segue, Vahe. Um, so, yeah, Clark was also asked about the two, not only huge, but maybe the largest events in Kansas City history that are, well, one is on the calendar and the other is kind of on the calendar in invisible ink. Um, that's the one on the calendar is, is the NFL draft that just completed in Las Vegas and in 2023 will come to Kansas City. And I know you wrote a column about that uh, just this weekend and what a, what a massive event this is going to be, the likes of which Kansas City has never seen in terms of outside, you know, uh, fans from outside of this region coming to Kansas City to partake in the fandom of, of the draft, uh, only to be eclipsed three years later if Kansas City gets a World Cup by um, World Cup uh, soccer fans from whatever nations would be playing here, descending on Kansas City and playing games at Arrowhead, training perhaps at the, not a perhaps, absolutely training at the Sporting Kansas City Center, the uh, Compass Minerals place. Um, so uh, Clark was asked about both of those, confident that the World Cup is, you know, will have a, a place in Kansas City. But uh, between you know him and Mark Donovan talking about the NFL draft next year, and Kathy Nelson, our friend, is the president of the Sports Commission. People are pretty excited about this, and I'm not sure. You know, Kansas Cityans, like everybody else, watched what was going on in Las Vegas and a couple of years ago in Nashville and drafts and. That have been in Philadelphia and Chicago, and you see the you see the the mass of people. We're going to get our mass next year. Yeah, and it's a little hard, I suppose. I, I thought about this with the numbers in Las Vegas, and uh, which I don't think we had the final numbers in yet, but we understood that Nashville had six hundred thousand people there, and Las Vegas was expected to have a chance to break that, and then the tens of millions of people watching all these things. It is a little hard to just picture that overlaid or whatever contoured to Kansas City. It just is. And I, I think this is a reasonable question to ask. 
I think Nashville and Las Vegas are understood to be on a, a certain tier of entertainment capitals. I don't think Kansas City has that cachet that way. But we know we've got a lot of great stuff here. And the, the question is first going to be, are people going to those cities for the draft or are they going for those cities? And I think it's probably a little bit of both. So should we expect 600,000? I don't quite think so. Should we expect somewhat close to that? Uh, I, I sort of do think so. It's interesting to note that the one, so Cleveland had bad weather and it was still COVID oh. measurements. And they had like 120 to 150,000. I bet you this will be at least double that and maybe triple. Um, and look, there's all kinds of things that that will play into that. We'll, we'll see. But the part that sort of excites me the most, um, I don't know if it hits you the same way, but I, I want people to come here and see this place that wouldn't see it otherwise. And I kind of like that they're coming here when the new airport opens and when they're going to be driving down 71 and looking over the Missouri River and seeing the, the first women's-specific stadium being built in the National Women's Soccer League, um, and the extension of the streetcar trolley, and maybe we'll know about the baseball stadium by then. I feel like this is, you know this way better than I do, but, I mean, it's been a profound shift in the feeling of downtown Kansas City and Kansas City proper for a good 10, 12, 15 years, but it feels like we're on the verge of an even more dynamic shift. It used to be a ghost town. Uh, yeah. Downtown Kansas City was was a ghost town, and it's it's, it's anything but now. Um, also, by then, by the time we, uh, in fact, we we hope to know some something in the next month and a half or so whether Kansas City is a World Cup yeah site. And like I said, Clark Hunt very optimistic about about the chances for Kansas City landing one of those uh, destinations. So, um, all right, Vahe, let's let's. Uh, end this conversation and go to a break. And when we pick it up, uh, Clark Hunt will, will speak to these issues and more. Thanks, Vahe. Thanks, Blair. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. I think that we'll be selected in the next two or three years. Uh, obviously, uh, we would be excited to play in Germany if the opportunity presents itself. 
And the other thing I want to just ask you about, I don't think you didn't go out to Las Vegas and come back already, did you? You didn't go out? <laughs> no, I didn't. All right, check <laughs> out. Um, just it, as you envision uh, what this is going to look like next year, I know there's a lot of details to be sorted out yet, but what, what, do, you, what do you think we'll do for Kansas City and, and uh, how meaningful do you think that will be for the Chiefs? Well, I think one of the greatest things that the NFL has done in recent years uh, is moving uh, the draft around and letting different cities host it each year. Uh, obviously, it's an incredible spectacle uh, this year in Las Vegas, but it's it's been that way in recent years in other markets. And I think Kansas City is going to do a tremendous job. Uh, we've got a, a great setting, uh, you know, near downtown with Union Station. Uh, it would be fun to be uh, where we were for the Super Bowl parade. I'll bring back some good, good memories uh, for this organization for sure. I think it's going to be an incredible economic boost for Kansas City and also just from a, a PR standpoint, uh, the number of eyeballs that will be watching the draft over those three days will be tremendous. And I also think it'll be a lot of fun. I, I think the, the citizens of Kansas City are going to really enjoy uh, getting to be part of the draft. Well, how, um, what is the time to get serious about the next stadium, whatever that might look like, whether it's renovation here or something new, or, or has that time come? I mean, when, when take us through the next steps, if you will. Yeah. Well, I know there's been a lot of discussion about it uh, over the last uh, several months and, and maybe even going back uh, almost a year uh, to, to when the, the Royals announced uh, that they were thinking about different opportunities. Uh, for us, uh, the schedule is probably a little bit ahead of where it would naturally be. Uh, because of the, the Royals wanting uh, to be proactive. Uh, we have nine years uh, left on our lease. Uh, we're very happy in Arrowhead. Uh, we still think it's one of the great venues uh, in the National Fo Football League. Having said that, uh, we want to work with the Royals um, and, and try to help them accomplish uh, their, their goals, whatever that ends up being. Uh, we've started the process of, of evaluating whether you know, Arrowhead has a chance of going past the end of this lease. Um, that's going to be an ongoing process here over the next couple of years. Um, I can't give you a, a definitive timeline on that. Um, because we've started early, the good news is we're going to have plenty of time to, to make that evaluation and hopefully find a solution that not only works for the Kansas City Chiefs, but works for the entire community. Clark, what do you hope to learn in that evaluation that <clears throat> can sort of sway one way or the other, or obviously um, give you more sense as to what the best option is? Yeah. Well, I think one of the most important things that we'll learn is whether structurally Arrowhead can go another 25 or 50 years. Uh, we'll be celebrating the 50th anniversary of Arrowhead this year, which is really uh, hard to believe uh, because it, it still is a, a state-of-the-art stadium. I mean, it's, it's really a great venue. It's, it's one that I know fans from around the country enjoy coming to. Uh, sort of making their pilgrimage uh, to, to Arrowhead. Uh, but it's a cement stadium that's been around for a while now, and we've got to make sure that it can uh, go beyond the end of the lease. And that's something that'll be an ongoing evaluation. So that'll, that'll be the first thing that we really need to figure out before we can think about the next step. And in a scenario where the, the stadium could last past the lease, would you be open to maybe building up this area? Do you see more business opportunities? I know a lot of people compare to Legends, for example, or Sporting Place and yeah. something like that. Yeah, it, it's something that we've talked about over, over the years. Uh, our family is in the real estate development business here in Kansas City uh, through Hunt Midwest. 
And uh, in, in the past, we've just felt that, that the location wasn't uh, perfect for additional development, uh, but times change, right? Uh, different areas of the city uh, develop at different times. And I think that's something that we'll circle back around to as part of this evaluation. Clark, obviously, uh, Mark mentioned that Kansas can even be a possibility. I mean, I, I realize it's, it's years away, but in an ideal world, where do you think you guys would be planning in a decade? Yeah, I, I don't think there's a simple answer to that. Um, certainly, my heart tells me that I hope it's Arrowhead, right? Uh, because Arrowhead is so special uh, to our family. Um, the important thing, though, is that we find the right solution for the Chiefs and the community and something that can last, uh, you know, for hopefully another 50 years. And then John Sherman mentioned the fact that he envisions whatever the next stadium for them is going to be is going to be a public-private partnership. Is that what you envision for your next venue as well? Uh, well, we've had a tremendous public-private partnership uh, with the county, the city, and the state, uh, you know, since we've been in Arrowhead. And I certainly uh, would hope that, that going forward, uh, we'd have an opportunity to continue that. Uh, but I think it's a little bit premature for at this point. We've got to figure out you know, what the right solution is, and then, then we can work on how we can get it done. Mark, obviously you have to make a sound business decision with this, but I do wonder how, how when the time comes, you would have to reconcile the question of the sentimentality about, about Arrowhead. I mean, I assume there'd be some challenge in that. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. From a personal standpoint, it's something that will be very challenging for me uh, and the family, uh, right? Because uh, we have so many uh, great memories at Arrowhead. Uh, obviously, um, it was a special place uh, for my dad. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, he mentioned that if uh, he, he could pick one vacation spot in the world, it would be a beer. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's not a decision that we're going to take lightly. And, um, and it's something that, that will be very tough emotional. Do you remember, and this is probably neither here nor there, but I'm gonna ask, do you remember your first uh, times there? I mean, do, what's your first memory of yourself? There? <clears throat> I, you know, I, I actually remember uh, being at the opening game. Um, I, I don't know that I exactly understood what I was looking at, but I remember, remember being there for that. And uh, some of probably my, my fondest memories from being a child were, being down on the field, kicking field goals uh, with my dad, with with Jan Sinnerud coaching me. So, you know, th those are special memories for sure. We're closing in on World Cup site selection announcement. How confident are you <clears throat> feeling that it could be here? Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just compliment uh, the job that Kathy Nelson and her team have done in putting Kansas City's best foot forward. Um, it's not something I'm just saying. It's something that I've actually heard from FIFA that they were very, very impressed. Uh, with not only our bid, but when they came in uh, for the inspection. And uh, I think because of that, because of all that hard work, we, we have a very good chance uh, of making the cut. Uh, it's gonna be tough. There are a lot of other great NFL stadiums, right, that, that are part of this bid process. Um, but I think, uh, you know, because of the job that she did, because of the job that Sporting Kansas City has done in developing uh, the market from a soccer standpoint, I think all of those are, are positives, and we've got our fingers crossed and be hopeful when they make the announcement, which we expect in the next couple of months. Clark, minority hiring process in the league once again <clears throat> took center stage during the offseason. Uh, Robert Goodell addressed it, I know it was the topic of discussion at the owners' meeting. How encouraged are you by some of the steps and some of the the additions that the league has made to the Rooney rule and, and what needs to happen going forward? Yeah. 
<clears throat> well, it, it's another subject that's received a lot of uh, coverage uh, this off season, but truthfully, it's an issue that the NFL has been tackling uh, for at least a decade. Um, I think if you go, go back to the, the beginning of the Rooney Rule, so it's something that we've worked on. And uh, the good news is we've made a lot of progress in some areas. And the bad news is we haven't made progress everywhere we need to. Uh, probably highlighted uh, you know, by the need to have more minorities as head coaches in, in the league. Um, I, I do think a, a big positive and one of the changes in the rule that was made a couple of years ago is that uh, all the teams now have more minorities in the pipeline. And, and ultimately that's going to lead to those people ending up as leaders of the organization. So I think that's a very important development. Uh, we obviously uh, lost one of our talented executives uh, to the Bears this year in Ryan Poles, a very good example of somebody who, who came up through our system, was trained by Coach Reed and, and Brett Veach, and now has an opportunity to, to lead a National Football League team. So I think that's really what has to happen uh, going forward is we, we need more people um, uh, you know, in, in the organizations who will have an opportunity to get those jobs when they come. Clark, well, the, uh, you, had, you had two first round picks, and clearly you had number one <clears> picks before. But love like first round picks have been unusual, so two is even more so. How how was last night for you? Was that just a little bit more excitement? I mean, you're you're usually calling cool Clark Hunt. Did you get a little bit more juice on draft night. <clears throat> yeah. Well, anytime you're around Brett Beach, you can't be, be, be calm and cool, right? Because, because he's excited, right? You know, no matter what what you're doing, and having two first round picks last night was not only exciting for him, but it was exciting for all of us uh, in the room. Um, you know, coming into the draft, it, it made me reflect back to 2008. Uh, when we also had two first-round picks. Uh, I believe we also had 12 picks in, in that draft, uh, at least to start, uh, as we as we did with this draft. And certainly that's one of the, the greatest gra drafts in the history of the organization. And so, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to reproduce something close to that. I think last night we got off to a very good uh, start on that, um, uh, you know, highlighted by being able to draft uh, Trent. Uh, that, that was something that Brett didn't really think was going to be possible uh, going into the evening, and uh, when it looked like uh, Trent was sliding a little bit, uh, he made the aggressive move to, to move up and get him. And then at the end of the night, you know, we drafted two guys that I think will be able to help us not only in the future but this year as well. Clark, with the uh, sports betting bill starting to uh, gain some traction on the Kansas side, what what kind of impact do you see that happening for the Chiefs and uh, other sports in the area? Well, uh, we're, we're very supportive of legalized sports betting. We, we think that's a positive, really, uh, for every state. Um, we, we know illegal sports betting has been going on for a long time, and so we, we think it's really best that it, that it comes out into the light, you know, where it can be uh, regulated uh, in an appropriate way. And uh, both Kansas and Missouri uh, have been working on it, and I think Kansas is close to getting it across the finish line. Uh, Missouri, unfortunately, you know, has a little bit of ways to go. But we're optimistic. I think if you, if you look at the nation, it's now legal in about 29 uh, of the 50 states. And so I think it's just a matter of time before Missouri is able to get it across the finish line. A couple more, guys. How was the initial push into Germany gone? You know, what have you learned through that process? And then where does the team stand in kind of trying to build that worldwide brand? Maybe surrounding Patrick and Andy and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it's an exciting initiative uh, for the NFL to allow uh, the teams to market internationally. That's something that until this year was not possible. 
Uh, the Chiefs were fortunate to be selected to get to market in both Mexico uh, and Germany. And uh, we've established presences in both markets and have begin, begun those campaigns. Uh, obviously, if we're able to, to play games, uh, that'll really help accelerate that. We had the game in Mexico a few, few years ago, which uh, no, doubt, no doubt helped our standing in Mexico. We would expect the, the same thing in Germany. But in the meantime, we're going we're to be laying the groundwork uh, so that when, when we get there, uh, hopefully all the football fans uh, in Germany will know who we are, and then we can we can build from there. Last two. A, a lot of folks, when, when Tampa said they were going to be having a game in Germany, put two and two together, put you guys there because it was the, the interleague game, and then Tom Brady came back. Did you guys have that game already? Is it? No, you said you don't know. You, you're hopeful in the next couple of years. Do you think that still may be the one? Yeah, that, that, that certainly is an opportunity from a scheduling standpoint. Uh, whether the NFL ends up going down that road, I, I don't know for sure. And uh, as I said to, to open uh, the press conference, um, if we don't get it this year, I know it's something that, that we'll get in the next couple of years. Last one, Adam. Clark, there's, as you know, there's been a lot of situations around the league where the quarterbacks or starting quarterbacks are unhappy with their uh, situations from Aaron Rodgers to Sean Watson. Russell Wilson, some other guys. What do you feel like maybe the Chiefs have done with Patrick to kind of make him, for lack of a better term, a partner, if you will? Yeah. There's some things you can point to. That... Well, I think you know all of you have had a chance to work with both uh, Coach Reed uh, and Brett Veach uh, here in the last several years, and one of the things that, that makes them special is the level of communication between the two of them. Um, that, that sometimes can be difficult. Getting your head coach and your GM on the same page can be, be a challenge. And fortunately with the two of them, uh, they almost think alike um, and they're constantly in communication. And that's also true uh, with, with our starting QB. Uh, Patrick and Brett you know, are frequently in con contact. And uh, you know, when we're making significant decisions, they're keeping him in the loop so that he can be part of that. Um, so I, I recognize the challenge over a long period of time uh, because some of the quarterbacks you mentioned have been, have been with those teams for a long time and it's you know, hard to, to always keep that communication where it should be. But I think that's where it starts it is including the player uh, you know, in the thought process so he at least knows the why behind what you're doing. Are there some examples you can point to maybe? Um, you guys have done that? Well, I, I think the, the most recent one, um, um, which was uh, publicly discussed a little bit uh, was the, the trade for Tyreek. Uh, that was not a surprise uh, for Patrick. Uh, he was kept in, in the loop on that. And, and certainly, um, I think that helped soften the blow uh, for him. You know, as a quarterback, you never want to lose your, your number one receiver, but um, you know, he understands that uh, there's a business side to it and, and we've got to figure out how to build a team around him that will have a chance to, to get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, over multiple years. All right. Thank you. Thank you. That'll do it for today. Thanks to the Sportsbeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian for sharing his insights. And a big thank you to our sponsor, First Federal Bank. We'll be back on Thursday with another edition of Sportsbeat KC. Hope you'll tune in then.